0: Vision Christian Radio bumper stickers are a practical way to show the world how much you love vision. New stickers are available now. Choose the I Love Vision sticker or your local frequency and proudly display your affiliation with Australia's National Christian Radio Network. It's more than just a sticker, it's a statement. And might help someone you'll never meet discover vision and start looking to God daily. Whether you're parked or cruising through town, Vision Bumper Stickers will turn heads and spark conversations. Stick it, show it, and let everyone know you're tuned to Vision. Available now at vision.org.au slash stickers. Order your Vision Bumper Sticker today. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. A documentary film set for Australian release celebrates the life of a Christian social entrepreneur who's become known as father to the world's largest family. It's set in the African nation of Kenya where slums are home to over 100,000 orphans. The documentary tells the story of Charles Mulley, who was born into a family that wallowed in poverty. At age six, his parents abandoned him in search of a better life. He became a beggar, and with the help of well-wishers, he went to school, reaching grade eight level. Mulley went on to be a successful businessman, but he was tormented by the faces of orphans, abandoned in the streets, and decided he would feed the children. He and his wife, Esther, started to take in three or four children, and the numbers continued to grow. Now 18,000 children have passed through their care, and many have gone on to become doctors, lawyers, and teachers. Our absolute privilege to connect today with Charles Mully, the founder of Mully Children's Family. Hello, Mully. Welcome along to 2020.
1: Oh, thank you so much uh, for having me in your studios. Thank you.
0: Molly, you were a beggar on the streets of Nairobi for 10 years. What is the situation like for orphans on the streets of Nairobi today?
1: The, as I was an orphan, I know uh, more of the, the feeling that of your rejection, lack of food and many things. But uh, the situation now in the cities, especially Nairobi, is horrible. Uh, Because children, they are really left there hopeless. No food, no shelter, no clothing. And therefore, they feed themselves from the dustbin or throwaways. And out of that, they feel so much, uh, you know, neglected. And out of that, then they lack to go to school. They die even when they are too young due to lack of... uh, medicine or medical care and therefore it is really terrible when you see the children in the streets of uh, of kenya some of the cities in kenya uh, even small towns and much more in the city of nairobi
0: Molly, if anyone has empathy for children who are starving on the streets You do, because let's come to your story, because your family was wallowing in poverty and your parents decided to find a better life without you. Take us back to those early days and how you felt being abandoned by your parents.
1: I felt so bad being abandoned by my own father and mother. Uh, those many days when I was about between five and six years, I was just a small. Like I cannot remember very well, and uh, that uh, gave me a bad picture about a human being, and uh, that there was no value more uh, because uh, having um, uh, being uh, accosted to all this poverty and lack of food, begging, and sometimes many times when. I went on begging. Then the people were cruel. Uh, They would also take advantage even to uh, beat uh, me or uh, chase me out. And that never even brought love or any connection with my maternal, um, you know, uh, care as well as also my my relatives. And so uh, the life in Nairobi, the life in the streets, is horrible uh, even to bear. They don't live there because they want to, but most of them, they are there because of extreme poverty and that some of the street children are neglected uh, by their own people. But even those people, their ground is uh, a recycled kind of uh, life uh, that poor from their grandfather from the grandmother to father and mother, and it comes. to the children because they have no good background just like me
0: you went through dreadful lack dreadful hardship but one good thing happened that you were able to get some formal education in a limited way an elementary and intermediate education that was so important for you when it came to getting a job
1: indeed when i was looking for a job yes my uh education was just a little not so much uh, because uh, I had also gone through elementary and uh, uh, the intermediate uh, school and that gave me a great and good uh, background of English language and mathematics and uh, geography as well as others but I when I got a job uh, those days I was able to uh, study through study through uh, what we call uh, correspondence uh, British correspondence uh, course courses of, and uh, I learned about not mathematics more but uh, about accounting and uh, business studies and uh, bookkeeping and all these I got it through uh, correspondence and so it was a uh, great it was um, Um, that gave me um, a springboard, uh, you know, a bridge to cross on the other side. And therefore, this helped me even when I started uh, working in a farm and I was employed as a field clerk and um, rose up to the position of a manager. And therefore, I got money and later I was able to buy Uh, vehicle, uh, this vehicle, I turned it to become a taxi because of the entrepreneurship and the way that I had also learned about this uh, bookkeeping and so forth. So I wanted to become uh, a great man among the communities and I wanted to be able also to help others. So that was my spirit by then. From
0: street beggar to having this sort of entrepreneurship, part of who you were, and going from the farm manager, uh, then eventually managing a bus company, then selling real estate, and eventually owning oil and gas companies that were serving all of Kenya. At that point, uh, you would have said, uh, I've made it, uh, plenty of money. But there was something that captivated your heart, looking into the eyes of those children on the streets in Nairobi. Take us to that moment when you recognised that you had to do something.
1: Um, indeed, uh, during that time when I rose up to be uh, one of the uh, uh, richest or rich men in the part of uh, part of Kenya and also in Kenya where I was able to meet an all the great people or even including the former president of those days of the Republic of Kenya at state house and times even I visited at his house so I had also grown to be uh, of higher status but I realized that um, later when I lost my car in Nairobi in the year 1984 and this car was stolen by street boys it uh, Strike me because they came. They asked me to give them money as I was parking my car, and then I told them, "I do not have. I don't have this, and I cannot give it to you because I thought giving them money was to encourage them buy drugs or petrol or all these kind of bad things." And therefore, I never gave them. I came back after only. Half an hour, and uh, my surprise, I could not believe that my car was stolen by these boys because I never gave them anything. But anyway, from that time in the year 1984, April, I struggled so much. I had no peace, even though I reported the matter to the police by then. Central uh, uh, police station in Nairobi, but up to this day, I've never heard about that vehicle. And therefore, that for three years until 1986, 1989, I was confronted by the Spirit of God. Having seen the people, women carrying uh, babies on their back, very poor, begging for money to buy food, I shed tears, I felt like, no, no. God, what can I do to these people? I had no answer, but uh, for three years up to 1989 is when I could not work anymore, and then I said, God, you have given me all this. I have a properties, I have farms and a nice house, big house for me and my family, and I have the money that can I can make anything, you know, to, to live, and I said, God, tell me, tell me, and through that struggle um, in my car as I was going home to be taken to hospital because I was not feeling well and I was afraid of dying. I I, I, I felt like I was dying any moment because uh, there was something that was pushing me. You must be and you must go to help uh, this poor, you were a poor boy. And you are here, you have everything, give it all for the sake of humanity, for the sake of these children. And as the Bible says that one man in Judea was trying to run away when Jesus says, said to him, uh, go sell all your possession, come and follow me. And I was not different from that man of Judea, and that I was the same, but the struggle was high. It took me many, many, many three years. But this moment, God wanted me to acknowledge the fact that he gave me, he raised me up from the ground. And it was my time, me to be used by God to bless the less fortunate children in my country and give them good life. And so it started that way.
0: Such was the emotional tension and strain upon you uh, that you eventually had uh, what we might even describe here as a call from God, Uh, just like the rich young ruler that we read about in the Bible, who we don't know whether he actually did leave all his riches and come to follow Jesus, but you decided that you would give up your riches and that you would go in and help those who were poor. Initially, you and your wife began to take in those small numbers. How did things start to grow from that point?
1: Yeah, things started uh, in a very special way because in fact, when I was in Dakar, I said to God, uh, because I had got lost and then uh, going to my house, I found myself thirty-five five kilometers away uh, from my office and uh, I did not know where I was driving to. It was very strange for me to get lost only from my office. It used to take only five minutes, but this time had gone over 35 minutes and it was far. But the voice of the Lord, God called me and then when I stopped because I was to be blind I, because I could not see anymore. Then I said, God, Tell me what you want. Please, tell me. Tell me." And I cried and cried. But after that, I was assured, because through the Holy Spirit, I felt like relieved from a big burden. When I said, yes, I said, yes, Lord. And Then I left, went to my house. I shared with my wife. I shared with my children. They could not believe. They thought this man must be insane. He must be mad. Why is our dad, even my husband, my wife, asked herself, is behaving like this? Is it true? So it was a big blow to the entire family. But I told them, surely God has called me, and tomorrow, the following day, I started going to the street, and I met the street children, boys and girls. I went at night, and even the police, when they stopped me, I could not stop, and they arrested me um even many times but i they found me this was the, the man whom we knew Mollyways express the buses that i had and the kind of name that i had made at, at night they asked what are you looking for what is that you are doing at night you are not supposed to be in the street at night and therefore i was released many times but i followed the children and went and they, um I gave them water, they got a shower, we, give, we gave them food, we kept on, um, you know, praying for them, teaching the word of God, feeding them, education, I started uh, education, primary school, secondary school, vocational training, and then a church, not a real church, but a chapel where all of us, we, we, we assembled. When I continue to teach them the Word of God and they employed many people, employed pastors, and even today I have over 1,000 people who work for me, teachers, as well as counselors, pastors. We have drivers because we have also a farm for sustainability. And through this we call into apprenticeship that I had learned that God had taught me. I was able to, to start farming in, the, in a big large scale using irrigation and started growing uh, crops for export to Europe, to Germany and uh, even to uh, Netherlands. And so that's how it went.
0: Muli, your story is inspiring and from those small beginnings and as you've described now with over a thousand staff working with you, more than 18,000 children have come through the wonderful home that you established there in Kenya. There's a documentary that is about your life. It tells your story. It's got stories of wonderful miracles that have happened to enable you to do what you have done. Let me just let our listeners in on how they can be part of a special live screening of the movie called Mully. M-U-L-L-Y. It'll be screening live on Facebook for audiences on the 13th of February, 7.30pm for Sydney Siders or those who are in Australian Daylight Saving Time, uh, just an hour earlier in Brisbane, 6.30pm in Brisbane. That'll be 4.30 in the West before the Valentine's Day release here in Australia. It is a virtual screening event. It will include a QA and a with Mully and a special update on what's happening with MCF today. That's the Mully Children's Family. Simply search on Facebook, the world's largest family, and you'll be able to participate in that special screening live on Facebook. Mully, a wonderful story. Thank you so much for responding to the call of God, and thank you so much for sharing these thoughts with us today on 2020.
1: Thank you so much for having me today and I pray that people will turn up in a, a large numbers to see uh, this uh, movie, Muli, about my life. Thank you so much. God bless you.
0: And just let me say too that there is a way that listeners can connect to Charles Muli. You can connect with Muli at MuliChildrensFamily.org That's MuliChildrensFamily.org